Thank you for listening to the Following Films podcast. Today I'm joined by Miranda Kwok, the executive producer and creator of the hit Fox series, The Cleaning Lady, which is based on the Argentinian series La Chica Que Limpia, which was produced by Warner Brothers Television and Fox Entertainment. I had a great time chatting with Miranda and hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to do this this morning. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I had a chance to watch the show over the weekend, and I think um, this is probably the, one of the highest compliments you can pay any series creator at this point, where I wasn't able to finish it because it became that thing where my wife said, no, 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 you have to wait for me to watch the next episode. <laughs> she was that invested in it right away, where if I were to have done my job and finished the season, I would have been in trouble. So I apologize for my lack of professionalism this week, but it was definitely um, in the name of my marriage. So I wasn't allowed to go forward. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I know that feeling. My husband and I do the same thing where there's shows that we have to watch together and and shows that he can watch on his own. (laughs) And could you talk a little bit about the uh, word? This is a remake of a show. Was it Argentinian? Where did the show come from? Yes, it was um, basically it's based on an Argentine format, which was essentially a cleaning lady who ends up working for the mob. And I was able to adapt the project to incorporate a lot of different layers um, to bring it to an American audience, um, namely to have it be an undocumented immigrant who was a doctor in her own country and then wasn't able to work here. So that just adds another dimension of, um, you know, classism and, and, and that kind of thing. And And also um, to tell the story from the lens of a Southeast Asian woman, um, which is, you know, also very exciting. It hasn't been done on U.S. network television before. Um, So really, uh, you know, just tell the story of female empowerment. And it's it's absolutely that this is a story of female empowerment. And that's one of the wonderful things about this show is that we get to repeatedly see people underestimating the star of the show. And we as an audience have full faith and are pretty much right from the jump within, you know, before the opening credit sequence, we kind of have an idea of who this woman is. And, you know, it's the idea of what people who are just meeting her for the first time see about her and what they think about her. And this is a really dynamic character. It's not somebody that's just one note at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was exactly the purpose is to show that, you know, we sometimes look at people and instantly judge them based on what they do or, you know, where they come from, that kind of thing. And so we really wanted to defy all the stereotypes and break the barriers and to show you that she is many things. Yes, she's a cleaning lady at this moment, but she is also a doctor. She is a mother. She is many different things. She is strong, resilient. And, you know, despite the fact that a lot of people do um, disregard her or, or, you know, just don't even look her way because she's a cleaning lady. Um, you know, it, it allows people to really, you know, you know, with the show allows people to identify with, with, um, you know, her as a, a human being, um, you know, and like everyone, she has hopes and dreams and the, you know, the most universal theme is a parent who will do anything for their child. And so that, that's really, um, you know, what we wanted to show is that we can build empathy and compassion for this character and also people who are in her position in the world. Oh, absolutely. And um, to touch on two things, I, I think that the 
casting of this woman at the central role here. If you don't get that right, it the, the show just doesn't work. I mean, there's it's a really difficult balance to strike with this show because it does have layers of social commentary, but it's not preachy. It's it's something that's kind of a it's fun. It goes down easy. It's like that nice blend of like a De Palma film. So I'm giving a compliment when I use this word, um, but it's like, it has just enough of it to be like a little bit trashy, but it's also thoughtful and all these different things all at once that it's just fun to watch. And I think if you get the wrong person in this lead, they could lean one way or the other too much. And you could throw off the show completely that. And I think you found about the cutest kid in the world to play Luca because those <laughs> eyes, my God, I, yeah. Anything for that kid. Yeah, Sebastian and Valentino um, LaSalle, they're they're so they're so great and they are so adorable. You can't help but fall in love with them for sure. And as you said, Elodie is just uh, is fantastic on every level because she brings the, the multi-dimension of the character to life in so many ways. She is so nuanced. Um and, and also, you know, she is she's just so authentic as a human being and what she presents. And so, you know, every take she does is different. Every moment is because, she, you know, just as a person, every moment is different for her. So she really is able to stay in her truth as an actor. And, and I think that is why, um, you know, she she has really elevated the character and the show and why a lot of people are gravitating to the show because they can really connect with her. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing that keeps you coming back week after week to this. I think it is that human connection that this is something that it's just you've you're invested in these characters and you need to find out what happens and your the central, I guess, plot of the episode moves along a little bit inch by inch each episode, but then there's kind of a for I used to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I was a kid and it was the monster of the week thing that was kind of would show up so you have the the job of the week that she has to work her way through. And then the narrative moves forward at the same time. And it's something that it, it's very satisfying that I think you jump in at any point and enjoy it. But if you've been watching from episode one, I think there's a, a lot more that you'll get out of it. Yeah, we, we were really able to, um, you know, every episode is its own thing, right? It, it yeah. goes into a different world. Um, it attacks a different subject matter. Um, you know, well, we're still able to to follow these characters. And, and as you said, she's a real underdog, right? And that's the other reason why you root for her. You, you want her to win um, because she, you know, she is battling through so many things and yet she keeps going. She's, she keeps staying strong um, and she is entirely resilient. And could you talk a little bit about wanting the decision to set this in Las Vegas? Um, because it's, it's something that it's not the obvious choice right away. When you think of kind of the underworld crime thing, you would think maybe New York would be first, Los Angeles, Chicago, something like that. Las Vegas doesn't come to mind immediately for this, but it absolutely works for this particular story. Well, I think it's what you said earlier, right? It adds that little, that that piece of um, trashiness that's fun, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, anything can happen in Vegas is, is the mantra. And, um, you know, we really wanted to showcase the, the upstairs, downstairs of it all, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, Vegas represents so much. It represents so much about the American dream and, and a lot of hope. And when you win, you, you can win big. And at the same time, there's a whole underbelly of the city um, you know, there's a seedy underbelly, but there's also all the service workers who are holding the city up, right? So everyone comes, they party, they spend, it's lavish. And yet these people 
who are actually making it happen are the ones who are struggling to survive. And so that was um, one of the decisions why I chose Vegas. Um, and, and also, you know, there is a large undocumented and um, a large Filipino community as well. So, you know, Los Angeles is a huge um, you know, community and then um, and then Vegas as well for 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 workers like that. So um, that's the other reason to choose it. And also because, you know, we can just come up with all these fun, elaborate, crazy things that she has to clean up. And, you know, Vegas is kind of the weird and wacky and wonderful. And we, you know, we just felt like Vegas allows us to tap into it all. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine it being set anywhere else now. It just makes perfect <laughs> sense. Um, it's kind of like the what you were talking about. It's it's these things that are not necessarily what it's about, which makes it more powerful to me, where like having a Cambodian woman at the center of this show is something that you know we haven't seen before. But it's not something that that's necessarily what it's about. And I think that's why that it works in that way, because it's not representation for the sake of it. It's just, this is just this character. This is the thing. And this is almost secondary. And I really do love that about this because it makes that message a little bit more powerful. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is about just, yeah, not, not shining a light on, Oh, these are the, the issues. And, you know, you have to watch this because she's Cambodian. It just, as you said, it's who she is. And um, I, I think that's, that's how you create the most authentic representation where a person is just who they are and you embrace all of that. And part of who she is, is Cambodian. Um, part of you know who she is, is a doctor who came from the Philippines. Part of who she is, is a mother. Um, and so I, I think the more that you really dimensionalize every character, the more interesting and compelling they are. Right. And, and so that's how you get away from the stereotypes is to, is, is to show those layers all the time. Absolutely. Because when you do that, when you make something that's very specific about a person that's very unique to them, I think that it ends up being more relatable because in that specificity, you find things that you can relate to instead of painting with these huge, broad strokes, you end up making something that's very specific. You know, you dial into the idea of parenthood and, you know, I'm a white dude that's, you know, lives in Tucson, Arizona. I, on the surface level, you wouldn't think there would be a lot there, but you know, the idea of having a sick kid, oh yeah, hundred percent on board with that. Having a, you know, sibling that's, you know, screwing up. Yeah, absolutely. Get that 100%. And they're screwing up on passing judgment when I'm possibly doing things worse than they are. So that those kinds of things that I completely get. And I, I saw a mirror of myself in ways you wouldn't normally expect in a show like this. Oh, great. Yeah, no, I'm really glad it speaks to, to you as well. And as you said, like, and everyone has a boss that has treated them badly. <laughs> this know? is this is special, though. I, I Hopefully you don't have this specific of a relationship with your boss. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 yeah, there's, um, I, you know, and again, it, it's, it's about a level of connection that is unexpected, right? You know, we didn't want to tell like a typical love story or, or anything that felt like a you know, what we wanted to avoid or what I wanted to avoid is like a trashy romance in that sense. This is about a real connection between two people who don't even really, they can't even put words to what that relationship is. Like, it's hard to describe what that connection is, 
right? But you know, she reminds him of his humble beginnings, of yeah. of of his 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 family and people who have struggled and he can see her struggle. And because of that, he has compassion for her and wants to help. And at the same time, you know, he, he offers help in such an unexpected way that, you know, th- that she can't resist. And so it, it's really beautiful in that it, it draws them together in a way that is really, um, it, it's, a, it's a kind of love that is so deep um, that I think that is what everyone is rooting for, right? It's not about sex necessarily. It's not about just that they're both beautiful people, which they are. It doesn't um, hurt. It doesn't <laughs> hurt. <laughs> but but that they have this real, real authentic connection. And, and um, you know, we're so lucky to have both Elodie and Aiden um, and, and that they had that chemistry instantly. Like, honestly, they giggle a lot. <laughs> I can get, see that. They can get, they get in CCA and they just giggle. And, and it's just about, they, they just can feel each other's energy um, and they're both happy to be there working together. And, and yeah, it, it really shows. And, and we, you know, we couldn't, we went, we couldn't be more happy with how it, it came out. Well, I think the reason that it works is I, we've probably all been in a relationship where you don't feel seen, where you don't feel like the person that you're with sees you for who you are, that there's, you know, we all put on fronts and have a facade that we show to the world. And there's somebody who only sees that side of you. There's somebody that immediately sees through your bullshit right away from the jump. And they both saw that in each other. And I think that's why for me personally, why I was, it, I connect with that because you know, me and my wife, that's the same thing where it's, she can see through all the layers of nonsense, anything else. I will never be cool in her eyes. She knows she can call me out on all my nonsense immediately. And they have that with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely do call each other on their, their crap. Right. And, and they hold a mirror up to each other. Um, and again, that's what, you know, brings them together, what draws them to each other um, to, to get that honesty out of each other. And how do you, I, I'm, is there a season two that'll be coming for this? Has that been announced or? Um, nothing has been announced yet. Um, we are pitching some ideas for season two to get them excited. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's uh, hopefully we'll hear someday soon. Um, but it, I think, uh, I think that, you know, the studio, the network, they have been excited about this project from the beginning um, to be frank. Um, and, and so, you know, even, um, before the pandemic, it was the first drama pickup um, from Fox. They only picked up four shows that year. Wow. And, you know, we've we've somehow maintained their enthusiasm and support through all of it. Um, and so, you know, they were they were excited about the project. They're excited about putting something on screen that hasn't been on screen before. You know, there's a very unique story, very unique perspective. It's a first Southeast Asian you know, character on network television that's leading, you know, leading a show. And so they were, they were invested from the beginning. Um, And then they were happy with what we delivered. And then the final piece were the numbers. And um, that has been overwhelmingly positive. And, you know, we have an average of three to three and a half million viewers that watch live every week, with commercials and everything, um, which is so hard in today's climate when there's so much content out there and people are just spoiled and they're used to just binging. And so not only are we getting, um, you know, that many, that many viewers live in the first seven days we're averaging 5.3, 5.3 million viewers as well. And that's just in the U S I think it's another million and a half in Canada. And it, it is actually, um, all, you know, all over the world. Well, I think 
I, the, there's no surprise to me that this connects with people and that the network gets it because you've done, you've made something really good. You've made something really special. And in a time when there is just a ton of content that's out there, there's really great stuff on every network, every streamer. Somebody has at least one flagship thing they can stand behind and says, this is something you need to watch. And Fox has that in your show. Um, and I get why they would be so supportive of it because there's not a lot like this. And the idea of sitting with this for a week and coming back to it, um, you know, letting the characters live in the back of your mind for seven days. I think that's a good thing. You know, uh, watching everything in the course of one weekend, like I wanted to, I'm kind of glad that I get to sit with these characters for a little while and then come back to it and revisit it and go through it. It's, I don't know. You, I think you end up with a much better understanding if you've ever streamed a show and then you come, you do it all in a weekend, you come back to it a year and a half later. Do you have any idea what happened in the, <laughs> that, in that time you would kind of need to rewatch the whole series just to catch up again? Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's really fun to be able to absorb the characters that you say. And and yeah, it, I think we're we're lucky. We're so fortunate to have this show um, come out at a time where where it it can be so well received and has been received. And and you know, it, it just happened to be the right time for that, where people um are looking for uh different content and, and different um perspectives. And so I think we lucked out for sure. Do you have a plan for, you, you mentioned that not sure you pitched the idea for it. Chances are, if I'm guessing it's going to happen, you know, just, and I, as a greedy consumer won't allow for there not to be in my mind. So it's going to happen. We'll, we'll take that. How far out do you guys plan with this? Do you have an art over our, like our arching idea of where you want this to go, how far you want certain story elements to take, to see themselves through to where they'll end up being eventually? Absolutely. When I originally pitched the idea, um, you, you generally pitch the pilot, then you pitch season one, and then you pitch a little bit of like, what would season two look like, um, mm -hmm. you know, on, a, on, a, on a, a more vague sense. We actually ended up bringing, drawing in a lot of stories that um, I pitched for season two into season one, because, you know, people get excited and they said, if you have a great idea, there's no reason to hold off. We'll come up with better ideas. So, um, so definitely, uh, you know, we have a, a real strong idea of what the shape is and where it's going. Um, and I think there's still a lot um, that we, you know, initially had ideas for for season two, but also, you know, we also generated in the writers room a lot of amazing ideas for season one that we didn't get to put on screen yet. So a lot of those ideas um, have now been bumped to season two that we're excited to to share as well, because, you know, with 10 episodes, you can only you know, you can only show so much. And so there's a lot of um, characters other than, you know, obviously our leads who are all amazing, but even characters like Chris and Jazz, like we definitely had stories for them that we didn't get to tell that we're, we're really excited to tell next year. And I, can you talk a little bit about the writer's room, just based on what I was reading in the credits, it looks like this is not a typical writer's room um, for what we see. Did you intentionally how like structure this differently than most writers rooms from what we see where they're pretty um, most writers room are kind of monocultured and a lot of times, and it doesn't appear that that's the case this time. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, yeah, we intentionally sought different voices and perspectives that reflected the show. Um, and, and so 
And, and, you know, that, that takes many forms as well, but obviously we want to be authentic to the voices in our show. And, um, you know, it's very, it's not, you know, there's a Cambodian lead, there's a Filipino Cambodian family at the core of the show, but then you have Armand as well, who, you know, who is from Northern Mexico, you have um, the Armenians, um, and, you know, Nadia is Argentinian. And so there's many different cultures reflected. And, you know, that was very intentional as well, because that's what America is. America yes. has people from many different backgrounds and many cultures. And so we wanted to put them all on screen to, again, show, you know, people are more similar than they are different. No matter where you're from, we all have struggles that we face. We all have hopes and dreams. We all face loss and tragedy. And, you know, not everyone has the right resources. Um, and so sometimes people don't make the, the best decisions, right? You, you make the best decision for what's in front of you. And so we wanted to show, to show that a lot of people who, you know, because it is a crime drama, that's part of the fun of it. But we wanted to show that people don't necessarily go into crime for the reasons you assume. And that a lot of people, because they just don't have um, they don't have the resources. They they make these decisions and they end up in crime and 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 then get wrapped up in it. Um, and so that is partly the the case with Armand, where he did not want to live a life of crime. His parents were adamant about him not getting involved. They you know moved from Mexico to the U.S. to try to avoid you know corruption and crime. But of course, corruption and crime is everywhere. And yeah, um, yeah and he was trying to help his own father and and got wrapped into it. And I think that that's nobody, with few exceptions, um, in the show, for the most part, people are fully realized, the characters that you would normally see somebody playing at one note where you would have the, you know, I, I live 65 miles from the Mexican border. Um, so I do see, you know, a lot of cultural mixing where I am here, my wife is Mexican, you know, we have a blended family, uh, culturally it's all over the place. And it's just something where I don't see a lot of accurate representation when they play these characters. A lot of times it's very one note where it'd be, okay, somebody's from Northern Mexico. This is somebody from Sonora. This is somebody that's going to be a gangster. There's no heart. There's no love. Maybe they have interest in their family, but that's about the extent of the depth of character. And it does feel like these are fully realized characters that do live in a world beyond there. And you see even ancillary characters that there's depth to them that you normally wouldn't see in other shows. Yeah, and I think part of that is just allowing them to to be their their full selves, right? And and not just you know putting a person in, of color in a role just to have a token person of color. That you're actually digging into that. There's more to that. There is more depth to that. You know, th there's a lot to be said about somebody's cultural background and how they've either embraced it or rejected it, or or, or many different ways of, of how that's a part of them. Um, so, yeah, we have, you know, Aiden Canto is from northern Mexico. We have a writer who is Eddie Serrano, who is from northern Mexico, who lived on a border town. Or sorry, not from northern Mexico. He, he lived um, on a border town in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, he said half his family were in law and half his family were in crime. And yeah. that's just those are the choices when you live on a border town. Um, you know, th those are some of the choices that you have. And so, you know, he he brings a, a very um, a, a very specific perspective, but also um, a very open and understanding and compassionate perspective as well. 
Um, you know, we also have a Filipino writer, Selena Sufriaso. Um, we have Korean American writer, Denise Han. Um, so, you know, uh, Charlie Inglehorn, um, who is half black. Um, so yes, we, we uh, fortunately were able to really get a wonderful representation across the spectrum in our writer's room. And I think that that has really shown in the work. Um, what also shows is, you know, not only are they extremely talented writers, is that they all have real compassion and heart. Mm. And that's partly why we chose the writers we chose, is that every one of them wants to tell a story that matters. Every one of them is invested in, in portraying these characters with authenticity and, and to, to do them right and to do them justice. And so I think there's a lot of passion and a lot of care um, that has come from our writer's room. Uh, yeah, I think it comes through um, in every episode that I've seen of this. It doesn't feel like there's an ounce of cynicism behind the show. It does feel like that this is absolutely a labor of love for everybody involved in it. And above all else, despite the um, nature of our conversation today, I think it's really important to point out the show is a lot of fun. This is just a, this is, this, this goes down really easy. This is just a really cool show. It's a lot of fun to watch. And I definitely recommend anybody who hasn't seen it yet to catch up with it. You can, I think you can see it on, on Hulu and you can see it on the Fox app. You can pretty much anywhere that, that there's the streaming things, you can see it there. Is it, what are the best places to send people to watch the show? Yes. Hulu, Fox.com, Fox now, all those are, all those are great. Perfect. Well, th thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really do appreciate it. And I am looking forward to finishing this series uh, season rather, and then coming back for season two when that's announced. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm sure that'll be soon. We'll hear about that. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you, Annie. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
always crack.